In the name of our loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So a fellow finds himself at the pearly gates. St. Peter approaches him and says, Welcome. But I need to tell you, there are a few entry requirements to get into heaven. It's not that easy. So let me ask you a few questions. First, were you a religious person? Did you worship, go to church often? Well, no, replied the man. Peter replied, that's not good. Let's try something else. Were you generous? Did you give to any charities? Help the poor? Mm, not really, answers the man. Hmm, says St. Peter. That's not too good either. Let's try this. How are you helping your neighbors? Did you do any good deeds? Anything? No. Now Peter was getting concerned. In an exasperated tone, St. Peter said to the man, Come on, work with me here. I'm trying to help you. Everyone is nice at least some of the time. Now think. Man says, well, there was this old lady. I came out of a store and found her surrounded by a dozen hell's angels. They'd taken her purse. They were shoving her around, taunting and abusing her. I got so mad, I threw my bags down, fought through the crowd, and got her purse back. I then helped her up off the ground. Then I went up to the biggest, baddest biker and told him how despicable, cowardly, and mean he was and spat in his face. Wow, said Peter. That's impressive. When did this happen? Oh, the man replied, about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> so I've been waiting for an opportunity to slip in a good pearly gates joke. And my guess is that guy got into heaven. But thankfully, Jesus has a more hopeful, upbeat message for us today. He says, don't worry. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in me and believe in the one who sent me. I'm going ahead to prepare your place. Heaven is waiting. There's room for everyone. Today's gospel is known by scholars as the farewell discourse, coming as it does on the night before Jesus' arrest, trial, and execution. The teacher is preparing his followers for the shock of what is to come. We often hear this passage read at funerals, and it provides comfort in times of grief at the loss of a loved one. But what the next life will be like, what exactly heaven is, remains an open question. It's the subject of the dreams and musings of prophets and sages throughout history. Do we each get a mansion on a hill? Will we walk on streets of gold? and cast our crowns down around a crystal sea? What form will our new life take in that celestial city, the new Jerusalem? And are there really pearly gates at the entrance? In Revelation, the writer tells us that the heavenly city will be illumined day and night with the light of God. And in the center of the new Jerusalem grows the tree of life, planted for the healing of the nations. Paul tells us in Ephesians that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. 
And then Jesus continues with further instructions. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And at this point, Thomas wanted a road map. Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus responds with some of the most beautiful words from the fourth gospel. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to the Father through me. If you know me, you know the Father. But unlike Thomas, I think that we get it. I think that we know the way. And contrary to the man quizzed by St. Peter at the gate, we know the questions. Both the way and the answers to the questions are found in a covenant that we renew several times each year. It goes like this. Do you believe in God the Father? We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? We believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? Yes, we do. And there are things that we promise to continue in the apostles' teachings, the prayers, and the Eucharist, to resist evil and to repent when we sin against God. We commit to proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord by our words and through the example of our lives. We pledge ourselves to seek and serve Christ in all persons, to work for justice and peace, and to respect the dignity of everyone. And in all of these things, we ask for God's help. And that's our baptismal covenant, those who don't recognize it. But today's scripture is very rich in additional opportunities for learning. I recently read Jake Owensby's book, Finding God in Messy Places. It's a wonderful book. Bishop Jake has a way of expressing profound ideas in a simple and straightforward manner. And it doesn't hurt he's our friend and a former parishioner here at good old St. Andrews. Jake paraphrases, paraphrases Jesus' words in the farewell discourse this way. Take heart, don't give up. This is not the end, it's a beginning. A divine beginning. Bishop Jake goes on to say that they, meaning the apostles, would be following Jesus in a new, more intimate, and bolder way. Previously, they'd been like obedient servants, but from now on, they would be friends. Jesus said, from now on, I call you servants no longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I've heard from the Father. That's from John 15. And Jake ends by saying, the essence of faith is friendship with God through Christ. Now the friendship that Jake is speaking of here is not a Facebook friendship, nor that of an acquaintance with whom we have lunch nor that of a golf or gaming partner or crafting buddy. The relationship he is speaking of here is one of deep intimacy. The sort of friendship that few of us are fortunate enough to share with an earthly companion. 
It's a relationship of shared wisdom, of God's wisdom that comes to us through our friendship with Christ. It's the answer to Philip's request. Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus' answer may well have been, come on now, Philip. Haven't you been with me these three years? You've seen the works. You've witnessed the healings and heard the teachings. We've worked together as friends. Can't you see by now that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? You see, Christ is giving of himself to us and inviting us into a relationship of fidelity, of shared faithfulness with him, and by extension, of friendship and faithfulness to each other and to all of God's creation. Now, back in the 80s, we were encouraged to ask in touchy situations, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Now, suppose we update that for today to WWMFJD. What would my friend Jesus do? That adds an extra bit of meaning, doesn't it? And our friend left us with a few gifts to help us along the way. The tool of prayers that are answered if we ask them in his name. Not always in our time or in the way that we wish, but in God's way and in his time. He sent us the Holy Spirit as our comforter to help us and guide us in times of doubt or trouble. He gave us the gift of community, of like-minded friends who come together to worship and to carry out Christ's work in the world. He continually gives us himself as our companion as we continue in the teachings and the prayers. And he is our strength in resisting evil. We proclaim Jesus as our friend through our words and show forth his nature through the example of our lives as we seek and serve him in the others we encounter. And just as he did, we respect the dignity of all people, all those whom God created and God loves. So as we journey toward our mansion on the hill with the gold paver driveway, there remains work to be done. Because you see, not everyone is Jesus' friend yet. And finally, if there are really are pearly gates and St. Peter is waiting there, if we really stand before him and answer his questions until that time comes for each of us, let's try not to start any fights with hell's angels. Amen.